Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Loftus Party Podcast. No, I am not Michael Loftus. I am also not Stacey Linux. I am Kung Fu Rick, the guy behind the scenes pushing all the buttons, making it all come together. They are both unavailable this week. Don't worry, you're not going to have to put up with me for an hour. We're actually going to fire things off here in just a second with some of our favorite clips. We're going to lead things off with one of my favorite interviews with Kurt Schlichter. So let's fire up the Wayback Machine and away we go. As promised, we got the one and only Kurt Schlichter here with us today on the Loftus Party. Good, hey, good morning, Kurt. How you doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not digging the weather. You and I now. Here's what uh, we we met briefly at a, a CPAC like two years ago, right. an, an insanely lame, yeah. an insanely lame year. I thought it was going to be like just conservatives going nuts. It was it was very it was very tidy. It was uh, it was very low key, but we're both Southern California guys. I didn't I didn't know that about you. I don't know why I always I always thought you were like an East Coast guy. Oh God, no! I'm a Californian. Now, were, are you born and raised out here? Um, I I was born in Ohio, and then I moved to Northern California at like age six. Okay, hold hold the right phone. near San Francisco. I'm from Ohio. I, uh, I I grew up I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Where are you from in the Buckeye State? Cincinnati, home oh! of weird chili. <laughs> that chili's the best. Cincinnati chili. Holy smoke! Okay, all right. So uh, we won't we won't regale people with stories of of chili. I want I want to get into in, into some hardcore meat. Uh, you've you've served your country. You're quite outspoken on Twitter, and uh, you're an author. I don't I don't even know where to start. Let's, let's I'm start a multi talent. I'm a multi talented Renaissance man. <laughs> a Renaissance man. So, so here's what I don't understand. And uh, you're a practicing lawyer as well. Yeah, that is true. I do. And, I, and I, I, I do the law thing. And you're you're a, a poet. poet. And you also I'm tour with Cirque du Soleil. Well, I'm a noted rapper. Uh, <laughs> What's your rap MC, name? Cool, MC Cool Slick and. <laughs> You know, I'm I, I continually drop rhymes and bust moves. Um, I have a lot of street credibility. Um, you know, I'm I you know I unite the east side, the west side, and the south side. You the know hell what? with those it's, north side guys. They can that's kiss my. What I've, what? That's what I was about to say. It's those north the north side people. They've really dug in. You can't even. I know. Really, and their raps are lame and unimaginative, and mostly revolve around what they had for lunch. A lot yeah. of food-based raps in the North Side. Yes, that's that. They're all about that, and uh, and I've seen you at a lot of the MC battles in downtown. Uh, yeah. Los Angeles. And, and it's ugly, you know, you'll get in there and, and the Northside guys are just not good. He's like, yo, 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 I was eating hummus and you're dumbest. And it, <laughs> right. No, that's just that's not a great rap. No, it's not. And you, it, it, yeah. Uh, and, and they rhyme falafel with careful. I, don't, <laughs> I, I just think that's lazy. It is. It's it's lazy freestyle. Uh, and I hope someday we can bring the North Side people back into the, the MC battle fold. But I think, sadly, we have to give up on them now because it's just, just the fact that you've you've united the East Coast and the West Coast and the South Side uh, is huge. And that's, you know, I feel uh, bridges. I'm I'm an engineer. I, I you know, I'm the United Nations of hip hop. <laughs> OK, it's pretty so clear. We have, we have that. MC Cool Slick. MC Cool Slick. That, that's that's old school, and I love it. Okay, uh, let's. I want I want to talk about uh, Indian country. I was on Twitter last night scrolling through. There was some woman saying that she she had just dove into Indian country. Uh, t- is is that your first book? Your second book? What? Oh, I don't even know what number it is. It's my second novel. The first one is People's Republic, and I'm actually writing a third called Wildfire. I'm about a third through it, and I have the cover. It is badass. Uh, <laughs> And then I've got good because like, that's how I judge. <laughs> well, yes. Don't, don't get me start on cover because I have a I have a publisher for the, the the other one, Militant Normals, which is coming out in October, and that's nonfiction. And Dude. you know, I, I I'm going to write three books this year. Okay, now th- this is one thing that, that like like fascinates me. I'm I'm a uh, I'm a stand up comedian and uh, and a writer. I was a stand up. You seem pretty stable for a stand-up. You know what it is? You know what it is? I don't like to crank it up. 
uh, in the early morning hours. I save I save ah. most of my comedy for the actual performance. I here's what I here's what I find insanely boring. If you've ever hung out with a comedian that doesn't have an off switch and they have to constantly try to prove how funny they are, that is tedious and boring, and I cannot stand it. All the comedians I used to hang out because I, I do we do like a thing at Victorville and like four of us would go up there and we'd be in the car and my wife would be in the car and they're like the least funny people. Yes. They, they're all like, I got a lot of personal issues. My mom's sick. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a lot of money for food. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. And I was I, I was doing I was still a lawyer. I was still in the army at the time, too. And I was like relatively I just liked being funny. I was a much better writer than performer. And yeah. everyone wanted to write with me because I can, you know, I'm funny. And but I would I would go out and I do shows with people wherever. And I, I had this group of friends who really wanted to be full time stand ups. And a lot of them were just sad. Yeah. A lot of them were like, I got a lot of personal problems. I I, I don't know why I was always happy. Maybe that's what made me not want to stay keep doing stand up or the fact that Uncle Sam made me come back on active duty. Right. Um, it was always it was always a real bummer when you go out uh, you would go out on the road and you're like a, a happy go lucky guy and you would be hanging out with uh, like the bad luck schlep rocks of the world. Uh, just wowzy wow. I, I think woo, that's woo. just I think it's easier to be unhappy as a comic. Just like it's easy to, you know, if you're a girl comic, you know, hey, I got this tampon bit. Or, you know, if you're a guy, yeah. you know, what's the deal with chicks? Uh, hey, did, and a lot whoever, of people would fall into what into their, uh, you know, comic stereotype. I, I remember people would push me, do lawyer jokes. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. A lawyer is just simply one of the things I do. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about. And, you know. Though I did have some funny lawyer bits, it wasn't because I was a lawyer. It was because they were. I always tried to be funny. I was funny before I was a lawyer. As you know, I was I was writing jokes in the eighties. I was. You remember NTN? They uh, you go to bars and they have those uh, trivia questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I wrote the TV ones. That's great. Remember that? Yeah, they go in like uh, you know. What was uh, what was uh, McCoy's uh, nickname in Star Trek? And then they'd have like a little joke about Star Trek. Hold on, I'm walking through the house and the dog's barking because a kid didn't bring his keys. So I'm on like a show opening the door for you. All right, that's my woke eight year old. Oh, is he one of those that like uh, you know? I, I I asked my dad this morning if I could go to the protest with him and. Yeah, I asked my dad, why does Trump hate uh, young Guatemalan immigrants uh, seeking a new life away from uh, economic and uh, uh, terrorist hardship? Those are my favorite in his eyes. Those I are my favorite. Hey, just so really quickly. Mine's all work? more like, you know, single malt. Dad, why do some people drink, you know, single malt? <laughs> how will how will these the tariffs uh, hurt the bourbon exactly. industry? Exactly. Yeah. So hey, did you ever did you ever do stand up? How's the aluminum tariff regimen going to affect America's trade relations with Norway? My four year old was asking me that last night. It was crazy. Exactly. It's did you ever do stand up at at Go Bananas? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. I did the Giggle Works. Yeah. Uh, the Chuckle Barn. Uh, Laffy's. Chuckleys. There was a great, there was a great club in Cincinnati called Go Bananas, uh, and it was fantastic. It was like in the basement. I never did anything in the, I never did anything on the East Coast. Okay, all right. So you you came out west, and and you uh you you you've done the at age six. <laughs> at age six, wow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't take Ohio. People were open and genuine there, and I had to get away from that. Okay, so I want to I want to get back to the writing because like it's all I can do to like churn out uh, a forty four page sitcom. That that's like a lot of work. I'm I really really admire people who write books. How do you handle uh, the full time job of of be, being a lawyer? And uh, I know you do you do Fox News a bunch. You're on a lot of those shows, and now yeah. you say you're writing three books this year. Do you do you have like a yeah. writing partner or or an assistant? How do you how do you do it? Well, I, my wife reads everything. So, but no, I, I I look. I was in the army. I was a colonel in the army. I'm a time. I know how much time I fill up every minute. There's it's very rare that you'll see me just sitting. Even while I'm tweeting, I'm still building the brand, writing jokes. While I'm sitting now, I actually, I think writing a, a good sitcom would be harder than writing a novel. Writing a novel is not hard. It just takes time because oh, I, 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 
I write everything in my head before it even gets on paper. I do that in court too. I've won most of my court cases, you know, walking the dog or jogging around. Uh, yeah. And when you're putting stuff on paper, that's the end of the process. Well, not the end because the end is editing, but the end of that, that's, that's not the beginning of the process, but a sitcom is different because you're trying, you, first of all, you've got to make every line hit. And you that's, that's really that. tough. Yeah. It's, it's like a set. It's it, yeah. uh, writing a sitcom is a particular kind of script. Now I've written script. I had the script option. Uh, it was about zombies. It was great. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it could have been made for like 50,000 bucks, but I never got around to making it. Uh, in any case. Um, but no, when, when you're writing a sitcom script, you're going to have to do, you know, every line has to be something. It's like my town hall stuff. I write my town hall stuff like a stand-up set. There's no fat. I don't do intros. It's your setup punch or tag yeah and that's what you're doing with a sit-up uh, a uh, uh, a sitcom script but if you read my town hall stuff you'll see i write like a a stand-up look at the look at the structure of each sentence the joke if i do it right occasionally i'll read through and i'll go dang i, I, I didn't do it right the 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 uh, the joke lands at the end of the sentence not in the middle yeah and i, did, I didn't laugh. even I didn't even uh, mention the town hall column that that's and that thing is wildly popular. Seriously, dude. And, and I'm yeah. I'm not trying to blow smoke, but like what time do you get started? I just don't think I have uh, no, the work. I, I, I need to attend like the school of time management. I don't feel like I'm busy. I only do things I like. So it makes it easier. I, I'm 53. You know, I've had I, I'm retired out of the military after 27 years. I, I I've been a lawyer for 25. I'm at the point in my life where I don't do things I don't like. So uh, and I, I feel like I've got plenty of time to do stuff. I, you know, I stopped and we watched a, a terrible movie on Netflix for a couple hours last night. And laughed What'd at you it and shot jokes. I don't, I don't even remember what it was. It called honey. The movie we watched last night. It was like Troy, and it had the crack in it. That's fantastic. Because that's fa yeah, there's no Troy. Like the crack, and my son's like, "Isn't that Norwegian?" My woke eight year old, he's like, "Isn't that Norwegian mythology?" I'm like, not, "They're rolling." And of course, <laughs> then they then they had to then they had to they had to get to where they're going. Odysseus had to go home by the paths of the dead, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's that's Lord of the Rings." <laughs> Wait, what are you doing? They like took all this stuff. And the highlight was they had this hot girl who was like, because there's always like a hot warrior girl now you for need some that. reason. That's 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 right. And she's wearing like a little leather skirt, which you would think is hot, but underneath, really obviously, she's got bike shorts. That's hilarious. That's yeah. Hilarious. We're just rolling. But you know, I had like two hours that I I, I you know I, I I had time. I didn't. No, I, I've got to be typing out more of Kelly Turnbull's adventures in you know Blue America, which I'm going to uh, do later this afternoon. Holy smoke. Now, here's the here's the other thing that, that I just because obviously I do my research. Uh, research is job one. But you're also don't you have a show on CRTV? No, it's uh, Rebel. I do it once. Rebel week. TV. I knew it was one of those. Like I said, research is job one. How often do you do the show on Rebel? <laughs> just once a week. Just once a week. <laughs> yeah. Dude, seriously. You're like, are, are you still like on army time? Is it like, it's like, it's like 6 a.m. Get up. Uh, I, I, seriously, I, I just finished. I, a script. I, I, get, I just up, finished I a pilot about, that I'm I, turning in and uh, I feel like I've worked cool. so hard. Ooh, you have. If, if it's worth <laughs> turning in, you have. No, I, I mean, I, I, I know what I know what it takes to occasion. That's, you know, just make sure every line is gold. That's the tough thing. Every line's got to be gold. Well, here's I, I and it's too funny. One of my buddies now who's writing on Roseanne used to write on the old Roseanne show and got out of sitcoms uh, like 2004, 2005. He got out of sitcoms and he started doing dramas. And he's like, dude, dramas are so easy. Like dramas yeah. are so much easier than sitcoms. Comedy, comedy stuff because you have you're seeking a reaction. It's like trial lawyer. Uh, I'm seeking a reaction from 12 people in the box who couldn't talk their way out of a jury. <laughs> and 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 it you you're looking for an so when if you're doing stand up you're getting laughs I mean Twitter is like that too because I get instant feedback that's why I do it. it's my Sudoku you know Dude, some people your, are like I want to do a puzzle hilarious well I just love writing jokes I always have since I was a little kid we had a very funny street and you know you you got street cred if you were funny yeah. People appreciated that. Uh, Greg Gutfeld actually grew up in the same town I did at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I probably ran into him cruising the El Camino in San Mateo. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. But, okay, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, no, I mean, it's and, and you have to get a sense of how to write a joke. Yeah, it takes a while. I never had a systematic approach to it. I did it for years and years. Uh, and then I fell in with a guy named Greg Dean who does uh, did like comedy workshops. I broke up with this chick because her dog died and there was nothing left. No reason to talk to her. So I started doing I, 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 I'm going to try stand up. So I go to stand up workshop guy named Greg D. And he actually sketched out how a joke works. And I understood instinctively. I didn't know how to do it in words. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I mean, I didn't I didn't have a system for thinking. I'm like, that's what I've been doing. And, you know, after that, I started getting, uh, you know, I, I didn't make a lot of money, but I got a lot of people wanted to write with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's too funny. It's like one of the guys that I started out doing stand up with back in Columbus left a, a really good law. I find lawyers are good. Uh, lawyers are good stand ups. It's 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 weird. There's like something whatever whatever drives people into like I'm going to be a trial lawyer. I guess it is a performance. They're both performances of yeah, sorts. So it it, there's like a weird genetic thread there. Now, your your Twitter feed is very funny. Shamelessness. <laughs> a very a very very shameless. Look at me. Look at me and expect something wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So no, hey, I mean, you got look, I I it, I was a cavalry officer, which is the most flamboyant branch in the army. We operated ahead of all the other guys. And we, we were operating in small groups. So we were very, and we had our Stetsons and cavalry guys have been a good, good, good opinion of themselves. High opinion. I was the, and, and then trial lawyer. I mean, you literally have people going, this is my life savings. This is my business. And I'm putting yeah. it in your hands and you got to, you have to believe you are the best or you will be, you know, disavowed. I, I so can't. I mean to get Ugh. yeah. So you get up in front of a you know you get up in front of an audience, and while I respect, it, it was like okay, worst case, I'm not going to get any laughs. I'm going to be pissed at myself. That's the air trauma stand up. Fifty percent of the time you are below average. Half the time you are going to say crap. I could have done a lot better. You will always say I could. That's the there worst feeling. Great, I know. There's a great tweet I wrote today. I said my woke eight year old. Uh, I was with my woke eight year old uh, uh, saw Stormy Daniels on the TV because we were in an airport, put down his drink and said, strippers are just tacky who won't commit. And people <laughs> were just howling at how funny that was. I thought it was funny. And I looked at it and I go, shouldn't have said drink. I should have said something specific. Yeah. <laughs> right? Chocolate. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be, it, you got you to be specific, preferably with a K sound. Oh, put my down God. Chocolate milk would have been funnier. You got you got the case out of the chocolate milk. Cocoa. Cocoa. There you go. You've Cocoa. doubled up. You've doubled up on the oh, case. Oh man, that's like triple Yahtzee word score, Scrabble word score. <laughs> but you you know the feeling, right? You you tell a judge and you're like, crud, I could have really crushed it. Oh, it's or you think first. of something to top it off with and you're like, damn it. Yes. But it's it's yes. it, it, it it's so it, it, it's so challenging. I don't want to go, it's the hardest thing in the world. It's not the hardest thing in the world. Stopping a guy with arterial bleeding after he's been shot in the gut with a AK-47, that is much harder, and that's not something I've done. Uh, and not, as, and not as funny. Challenge, and it's nowhere near as funny. Okay, so here's what, here's what I'm trying to do uh, with my little uh, Loftus Party YouTube channel, podcast, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to win hearts and minds uh, with comedy, I'm trying to uh, disarm people and go. Oh man, I'm I'm just making I'm just having some fun with you. We're just having some laughs, and hopefully, uh, get people to to view issues uh, in a different way. I don't feel I'm wasting my time, uh, but it's it's a long. I don't think you strategy. are. Yeah, uh, look, Andrew Breitbart, who like most of the rest of North America, was a friend of mine. He was a friend of everybody's. Uh, he he was very clear, and I I, I I really agree with him that you've got to be funny first. You got to when you're doing art and you want to get a message, you got to get the art part first. So if you're funny, you can start doing stuff. The thing about comedy now is there's so many areas that you're allegedly not supposed to uh, explore, and I can just feel it. It's like a giant pustule. Eventually, someone's going to squeeze it, and we're just going to have this burst of rebel comedy where they're talking about. The things that you're not supposed to talk about now, race, sex, yeah, uh, transgenders, whatever, you know, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people who are trying to use comedy to teach and to help people grow gentle yeah. laughter that helps us share. I, <laughs> I would literally rather 
blood and glass. <laughs> then, have, it's too- then have a then have a uh, gentle comedy. I put a uh, I put a set up on the on the YouTube channel uh, last week. I was out at the the Brea Improv, and oh, I came out. <clears throat> yeah, and I and I came out. I came out as a Trump supporter, and it was hilarious. It's hilarious, and it was like you could just feel the you could just feel everybody in the room just be like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay." Yeah, but yeah, uh, look, I'll tell you what, the, it, the first guy who who pops the zit's going to have uh, well pus all over him, but a lot of success. Well, it's people the, the the majority of the audience just howling with laughter, loving it, and a couple people looking at me with shock. And I I'm getting so many people that are like warning me. I came out as a Trump supporter, dude. I was I was on Varney. I was on Varney and Company on Fox Business. Nice. They just wanted to confirm that I actually voted for Trump. It's crazy. <laughs> well, look, the thing is, you know, if I were still doing comedy, and I'm not allowed to, uh, my last set was one where I got in a fight on stage with uh, Tom uh, Arnold. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, he's he, he's just a, he's just dumb. He's making he's making just news. Sad. Making news. He's got the key to it all. Well, that was like 13 years ago. I've like not done it since. Though my when I do uh, actually I do jury closings much like a stand-up set. Uh, I also do without jokes, but it has the same feel and you you can see the structure. But I also do when I do uh, uh, public speaking things. I will have a high I probably don't have a seven last per minute rate, but I probably have a two or three. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just, but it's such good training for, yeah. for doing other things. Uh, there is because it's, uh, a, it's a way to express yourself because you're in communication with the audience. Yep. And if I were doing, if I were doing a Trump bit, of course, the first people I would seek out are the ones in the audience who are sitting there with their arms folded, scowling. They're yeah. the ones I want to talk to. Everybody out there, the guy agreeing with me, I don't care about Young lady, you seem really upset that I like Trump. Are you another <laughs> of the ones that uh, Trump banged and dumped? Because I gotta tell you, you know, like we're gonna we're gonna we're all gonna meet uh, at the Roadway Inn in Victorville <laughs> and console road, each oh other. Oh my God, I've done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. I was making I it up. I have done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. I was making that up. I think it's hilarious. No, <laughs> I've done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. It's a great thing because you could do you could do like, hey, man, we're here in Victorville. Not like those suck asses in Barstow. <laughs> All right. Kurt, you know, do I 20 want... minutes on a meth crazed weirdos living in abandoned mines out, out on the edge of town. And they're like, I know how you feel. That's my Uncle Mort. Five, five people in the back of the room get up and leave because you've hit too close to home. I know. It's like sometimes comedy hurts. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kurt, I want to thank you for being on. Hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Uh, what's, what's the title of your next book? What's the next one you're working on? Uh, Militant Normals. It comes out in October from Hachette. All right. And, so uh, it, it's a real book. That's I, I, I'm a dude. I'm in awe and I, I celebrate everything. People go out and get uh, Kurt's book. Uh, start cutting lawns now, saving up for his new book. That pre-order comes out. it. Pre-order, pre-order it. that get sucker. Up. <laughs> All right, Kurt. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to have you back on. It's too much sure. funny. I will see you. I'll see you at the Roadway Inn in Victor. The Roadway no. Inn. Who's opening for who? That's the, <laughs> we'll that's flip the question. Coin. Welcome back with me, folks. Again, I am Kung Fu Rick, hanging out and hanging in for both Michael and Stacy, who are out this week. Hope you enjoyed that interview with someone who I consider a really great guy. That was Kurt Slichter. Up next, we have a segment they did together with none other than uh, Mudflap Steve McGrew, who has actually done some comedy work with Michael in the past. So let's fire up that Wayback Machine, and away we go yet again. What about, yeah. the, what about the other thing that might be gone from school? I, this might be like this. Remember the, uh, the booby? No. Remember that? Was that what? Yeah. What is that? What? What? Well, you'd, pinch your, you'd pinch your boob. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you remember that? I never had that. You never had that? that? That's legitimately it's assault. A, it's a boob bee. Oh. Oh, a boob bee. bee. We had uh, what's worse than uh, what's worse than a hurricane? Yeah. Uh, titty twister. And, and you then, titty twister. Yeah. See, that, that was probably usually, gone too. That was usually dude on dude. I never I never went up to a girl and like, what's worse than a hurricane? <laughs> we all did. I think it was an excuse for a grope back then. Oh, God. Hashtag oh, me too. The worst is the bra snap. Sorry, guys. 
The bra snap. Bra snap. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if those are gone. Well, that's how, you, that's how you showed a girl you liked her when I was a kid. Well, we would just dunk her uh, pigtails in the ink bottle oh, there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, little house on the prairie. Right. Okay, so uh, there's a lot going on. We're gonna we're gonna jump into some news. I think. Well, let's let's. Uh, how do we want to frame this up? Uh, the Tucker Carlson thing. I think that's blown over. I think he's given. I think Tucker has given a a lesson in how to do this. Because by day two of that thing, he was on the uh, offensive. Is right. he still? I haven't. I, I got to be honest. We were in uh, Cincinnati two nights ago. Uh, last night, big team meeting, yada, yada. I haven't seen news in a couple of days. Well, he stood up to the outrage mob more than anybody has. But he went after Media Matters, who started the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, he so, went after their president. Apparently, apparently Angelo, who heads up the entire um, rage machine, had some very interesting blogs that he'd written several years ago. So actually, even even in my estimation, worse than anything Tucker said when you take everything Tucker actually said in context. Um, but yeah, Angelo is kind of a derp and I think they went a little bit quiet, but then they had, you know, your AstroTurf protesters out in front of Fox news because they want the whole thing shut down. They're going after the hosts one at a time, but they yeah. literally want Fox news taken off the air. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's uh, it's like they're playing hot potato over there. It's either yeah. they're either going after Hannity, or they're going after Tucker, or they're going after Judge Janine, yeah. or uh, yeah. or who's the other one that they go after all the time to uh, have them taken off the either way. Well, it's all it's 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 every one of them, and they've had Laura Ingram. Off. They pick yeah. them off like birds on a wire. I mean, some of the like like you know uh, Bill O'Reilly, boom, gone. Well, you know, some of the well, yeah, but I'm saying they, they're, they're picking them off. They're like, you know, oh, yeah. like, Bing got one. Bing. And I think that's actually hurt Fox News. I mean, really? seriously, I do. I think I know. I know I'm a news junkie and I've talked about this, but I, I know people that are now turning away because they're like, well, my, my favorite's gone. My favorite it might not be you or an iPhone. Oh, yeah. But they're like, well, you know, I don't watch anymore because. Such and such is gone. I tell you, if you can separate, this is weird, and I've done videos about this before. If you can separate Bill O'Reilly's behavior, right? This is like literally, like like Roseanne. Right. Take away that tweet. Is, can you still laugh at her joke? Uh, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Take away his thing. Can yeah. you still laugh at his jokes? Take away Bill O'Reilly uh, and the and the lawsuits and the settling out of court. Uh, to me, that dude was a like legit I mean it was an opinion show but right. at least he did legit news. One of the things that I think people have not been able to do lately is separate the art from the artist. Right. You know like you could go like, I I can't read Edgar Allan Poe. He was a drug addict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well that's what I mean that's like like with going after Tucker. I mean like he's saying this stuff on Bubba the Love Sponge. It's a shock right. jock like you can't go Oh, this is Tucker Carlson's deeply held beliefs. Yeah. This is what he argued in front of the Supreme Court yeah, it, in 1880. He he wasn't on the 700 club. Dig it. Dig it. Well, uh, I mean, Tucker. That would be like going back and taking every, every lefty politician in New York and a bunch of other people and coming through Howard Stern. I mean, for a while, Howard Stern was top of the freaking market. Yeah, absolutely. And you can have everybody. Outrageous things on his show. Well, that's what you went to do. You specifically went on Howard Stern to say the most outrageous thing. You knew that's what you needed to do. You prepared for that. You know what would be interesting to find out, and this is just for uh, people that I wonder how Howard's doing. I wonder how his show the is actual doing. ratings? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's XM Satellite Radio, so I'm sure they, they guard that like Netflix, but I'd love to know. Well, if, if, you, if you've been watching, there was a – I guess he got a, he had a new producer come in that told him, don't do this, don't do that, get rid of – like don't spank strippers' bottoms anymore. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, there's been a, he's been a whole it's, – it's a whole different show than when he was king of the media. Oof. That seems like taking your brand and flushing it down the toilet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just an observation from the corner over here. Yeah. If Howard's not going to be spanking strippers, I mean, but yeah. whatever. I mean, I was never, yeah. I never. What do you mean you can't pick up a midget and hit him in the <laughs> boobs anymore? 
a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine was like the biggest Howard Stern fan. He's like, you gotta hear this, you gotta hear this, and I was just like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, just, but wouldn't you seriously, Mike? Wouldn't you love to have somebody do for you what they did for Stern? Like, just call up a show and go. Instead of Baba Booey, just go Michael Loftus and hang up. No, remember they, remember they did that for so long. People would call into talk shows. Baba Booey, I know. and hang. I, I wouldn't want that. You That's wouldn't not, want no, that? No, no. Here's what I would want. Okay. I want people to call in and go, you know what? I never thought about this issue like this, but there's this comedian, Michael Loftus, and he see, I would want that. that oh. I would want that. Oh. But, but I don't want the. But you wouldn't the, like a the, mob that was so, no. like, loved you so much that they were just like. No, it would scare me. It would scare me. <laughs> I wouldn't want it. They'd attack know. me at an airport. Baba Booey! And I, I don't know. <laughs> You gotta act like you like them. I don't know. You might be on the road now, Michael. After this week, that was. Uh, oh, I guess we should address that. The the, <laughs> the president, the presidential tweet, which yeah. was just by uh, name, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, was I the first one to show you that? Because I was watching and tweeting you that morning. Remember, we were texting, and, it was, and you wrote back, "Holy." Hell. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was uh, it was Brian Kilmeade and then you. It okay. was like a one-two punch. I I, uh, I was late to the party. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I texted well, you. Holy crap! You just got retweeted by the president. <laughs> I, I I I really couldn't believe it. Like I got they they Fox is very nice. They they send a car uh, in the morning, and I always I always accept the offer because in a doomsday scenario. There's two people in the car, and we can use the carpool lane. I don't want to risk – if I'm going to get up at 2.30 in the morning to go do this, yeah. I'm not going to risk getting stuck in some freak traffic thing. So uh, I did the segment. It, 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 it's it's weird. I feel like I'm – and I am kind of like beating the same drum like of how the left just dominates late night. The left just dominates political comedy. They just, they just dominate. and They, they dominate media. Yeah, and they and they don't want to, well, especially in the joking aspect yeah. of it, you know. So I was kind of doing that again and trying to figure out how to say that in a new way, uh, and then I made a couple like little jokes. And man, oh man, I guess the I guess the president liked one of them. What I love about it, it is that he actually tweeted the joke, like he he wrote it down, yeah, like the he, crumbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't just like well, you know, do a screen really, grab. What should feel really cool is thinking you made President Trump either laugh or smile. Or you know what? This thought hit me last night. This thought hit me. There is a very legit chance that he watched the show and he's like, okay, so this guy's a conservative comedian. Let's see. And then he was like, ooh, that's not funny. Ooh, that's not funny. Ooh, what's the only – what's the closest thing he had? Eh, I'll do that one. <laughs> oh, golly, where do you go to these dark places? <laughs> I have self-esteem issues. Wow, you really do. Forget I, daddy it, issues. It's almost like I need to go out in front of a room full of people every night, every night and have for, them approve you me. You need to be validated. <laughs> I know that feeling. So it was very cool. Uh, I'm glad that – Everyone keeps expecting. Oh, did your Twitter blow up? Did your Twitter blow up? Did it? I'm like, no. I mean, from friends going, the president oh, just tweeted yeah. you, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah, and then I kind of reposted it. But like, he just wrote Michael Loftus. He didn't yeah. know to use my Twitter but hashtag, you know, ret- the Loftus party. Didn't a lot of people do what I did though? Because I retweeted you several times with the Loftus party. Yeah, like, and, I, that's, you know, like and that's trying yeah. to tie it together. Yeah, I got I got some new uh, new followers that way. But yeah, it wasn't like. Um, our friend uh, Terrence Williams, who's on this tour with us, he was telling us about when when Hannity tweeted him. Mm-hmm. Hannity's like, "Oh, you got to check out," and then he used Terrence's uh, Twitter yeah. handle, and Terrence was like, "It was bonkers! Yeah. It was bonkers!" And oh my gosh, uh, last night I was talking social media with uh, Stacy. Do you follow uh, Brandon Tatum, Officer Tatum? He's a he's a he's with um, Turning Point. I'm not sure if I do or not. It sounds familiar. He had – he was not a Trump supporter and he, he was a police officer I believe in Tucson. Uh, and he's – he's because Terrence got injured, Terrence got in the car accident, uh, Brandon is doing a couple shows with us. And it, and the, the guy's great. Mm-hmm. Just I'm a huge fan. And he knows you know Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk and all those kids over at uh, Turning Point. He was telling me a story last night. We went out for uh, for pizza, and he was talking about he didn't 
he didn't think Trump was all that in a bag of chips. Very, very familiar little story to uh, our podcast listeners. So he went to a Trump rally and was just like instantly just like, yup, this is the man. It was like a tent revival. Yeah. And he did a video about it, like in the parking lot. And he's like, that's the one that just like just went crazy in his yeah. phone. His, he said his phone for like five days straight. It's like new alert, new alert, new alert, new yeah. alert. Yeah. That's got to be exciting. That's got to be a cool feeling. We, you know, what's kind of weird that's that it's been great that he was able to turn that into a, a bigger and massive follow to keep yeah. to keep it going. Yeah. The, the, one of the first videos that I did as liberal Larry mm-hmm. was like blew up, went viral, like close to 8 million Eight million. Yeah. And then everybody was like, well, great. But the follow up, let's see how the it's people can have a viral video. And then you go, why did that one take off? And the next one didn't. And why is the next one only get 100,000? What were you what were you talking about? What was the the, Larry talking about the election? Like when Trump immediately when Trump. Oh, I remember that video. video Yeah. You have the big meltdown. meltdown. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, that's why. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But you thought, okay, if they know you're a comic. Wouldn't they start like staying dude, with you or stalling your video? Dude, I have to think, and this goes back to branding. I I think a lot of people legitimately thought Larry was, was real. real. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Kevin, There's you had actually that a woman before? that yeah. does that. Yeah, I forget I, her I, hand. I forget what she goes by on Facebook, but she actually is a conservative, kind of like that that account I love. Tatiana McGrath, which we found out this week is oh, actually yeah. a guy. Yeah. Um, like people respond to that account and they think it's real. They can't tell it's a parody. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Uh, a lot of people who follow my liberal Larry character in videos say they follow because they like to watch the response t- from people that don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They, yeah. they like to read those comments. They say it cracks them up. They're like, right. I can't believe these people are this stupid. <laughs> And like, like there would be a guy, like there would be a guy, a Democrat, who was like, you know what my YouTube channel is going to be? Liberal Larry. <laughs> like, it's like, he wouldn't just call it like Larry Durkowitz or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, for a weird... Because I'm Republican Mike. For, for Republican Mike. Because I, I tried that for a while. I did Liberal Larry at first, and I thought exactly what you said. And I, I changed his name to Larry Musk. Larry I, Musk. I put Larry Musk. That's hilarious. And that's hilarious. And for a while, it was Larry Musk, and then people <laughs> were complaining, like, "Why did you change his name? What happened to Liberal Larry? Like, I can't find Liberal Larry anymore." Oh man! So I went back to yeah, because I thought the same thing. If people didn't see, if they saw a, a real name, they might take the confusion a little yeah. further. You know? Yeah. Who's the uh, Who's the? He's like an AM talk show guy. That does nothing but characters, oh, and he uh, will have the most outrageous. One yeah. guy owns a steakhouse, and he's the most racist, old school. Yeah, and like people call in, and they believe it's real. What is that guy's name? I know exactly who you're talking. I used to listen to him in L.A. And he had, yeah, he was hilarious. He, he had like, the woman who was head of the HOH, and the- I swear, have you have you heard of this guy, Stace? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to look him up. He's- he does all the characters. He's the host, and then he'll call up. I'm going to call up uh, Roy McGregor, owner of you know the Blah Blah Steakhouse in Beverly Hills, and then he has like an, a, a, a filter or something because it sounds Phil like Phil Hendry. Phil, Phil Hendry. Hendry. Oh my lord! He had a genius. One time, my son and I were listening to it. He had this guy. He was pretending to be a guy that wrote a book about how to make your children love you more. So he said, <laughs> and his. The guy said, here's what you do. You put raw meat in their swimsuit, raw bloody meat in their swimsuit, and you put them out in the ocean. And when the sharks come to eat your child, you save them, and they're so appreciative that they love you more. And people went nuts. Remember remember that that little Cuban kid hiding in the closet and then during the Clinton administration? Yeah, yeah. He, there was a guy, he interviewed a, you know, air quote guy who had a, a pop-up book about that kid. Oh my you know? God. And he, and he was a little effeminate and he was like, so here we see him. He's on his way to America and there's him and his family on the raft. Then you pull this tab and you got a little wave that comes. There goes mom and dad. He's all by himself. <laughs> it was oh hilarious. God. 
people are just horrified. How can you do that? Who publishes yeah. the book? And he had a name of a fake publisher. Well, anyway, Phil here's, Hendry. Here's funny. the thing, and here's the thing about Phil Hendry. As as weird and out there as that comedy is and dark, he blocked me on Twitter because wow. of being a conservative. He is he that's the other thing that, that bugs me about the, the left. That they can be as dark and twisted as they want to be. Because it's art. It's art. Yeah. But when you do it, yeah. it's hate speech. Yeah. Yes. And that is why that's why uh, this is great. It's come full circle. And that's that, that's why we're doing the, the deplorable tour. Someone has to establish legitimately a, a, a beachhead. Right. A beachhead of we are comedians. We talk about this. It's just jokes. Yeah. It's, it's not – uh, well, I, I've said I, I, I see the deplorables guy, us, the two are Mike and Brian or all of us actually becoming the conservative network. You know, like people will go, those guys should have a, a conservative uh, Saturday Night Live type of show or those guys yeah. should have the conservative talk show. Like there needs to be that wave. Uh, yeah, these are the first of the conservative guys and you can get behind. This. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like we got to be, you know, putting the flag on the beach. OK, first first things first. Yeah, we're going to start touring around the country and we're telling jokes and we're going to get that going. And then yeah. it's it's very similar to and I've been, I think about this a lot, dude, a lot. Uh, National Lampoon. Yeah. Like National Lampoon, those guys that were just going to start making fun of the college you know, magazine. It blew well, up. just making fun of the, the rich and the hoity toity and, yeah. you know, the class differences. And then they found, uh, you know, Belushi and I'm sorry, I'm not saying in no way, shape or form. Am I saying that we are like Belushi and Aykroyd and all those guys? Yes, However, yes. <laughs> but they they found those dudes. and They started doing comedy albums. They yeah. didn't do touring. But like, OK, then. Then after that happened, then you do a movie and you do another album. And, and that turned into Saturday yeah. Night Live. And, and Absolutely. Live turned into characters that made bigger movies. And it, Everything, dude, there's a great documentary. I can never remember the name of it. I saw it on, on Netflix, Drunk, Stoned, and Weird, something like yeah. that. And it's, a, it's about the founding of National Lampoon. Yeah. Everything you're laughing at today or for the on, on television, films – like 90% of it you can directly tie to National Lampoon in like 1978. Like that original group of dudes. Yeah. They changed films. They changed movies forever. But they, well, the, you had well, to start. Well, so the, hopefully that's what we're doing the, out here on the road. The cover of the gun to the puppy's head is iconic. iconic. Yeah. Buy this magazine or the puppy dies. Whatever. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We had um, – we're, we're kind of all over the board, but I like that. This is this is like a treat. This is like a, a candy bar uh, podcast right now. We did um, – where the hell were we? Cincinnati the other night. That was a great show. Oh, so they they loved – they cheered at everything. Not only did they clap and laugh, there was cheers. Stacy, Gypsy, Gimlet, I can't wait till they uh, – they're holding on to a bunch of this footage. They want to be very careful about how they release it and stuff, but I cannot wait – uh, for people to see, you won't believe the audience reaction. It I is love. over the top. It's fantastic. And when the show was over the other night, the audience actually broke into simultaneously, God bless America. This is crazy. Okay, so after the show, we stick around because there's like VIP packages and those guys, sure. we take pictures, we hang out and we talk. So there's the VIP line and as we're taking pictures you can hear the audience out in the street out in front of the theater and, and they're uh god bless, god bless america. america they're singing it so loud you could hear, hear it, it in the theater yeah. it's just like this spontaneous it was freaking like they like came out, out america loving just sons of <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was like a movie it was like a movie and there you have the one the only steve mudflap mcgrew Really funny dude. If you have not checked out his Larry the Liberal stuff, you really, really need to do that. All right, so up next we have one of Michael's favorite interviews, Mr. Nick Searcy. Last time in the way back, folks. Here we go. As promised, you guys, we got we got Nick Searcy with us. Now, before I even get to talking with the man, uh, an amazing – go to this dude's uh, Wikipedia. Go to this dude's – 
IMDb page, we're talking Days of Thunder, Prince of Tides, uh, Holy Castaway, which I just saw recently, which uh, amazing performance in that. Uh, the Ugly Truth, The Last Song, Moneyball, The Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing. This dude uh, is Nick Searcy. He is a, he's an actor. He's a director. He's a filmmaker. He's a provocateur on Twitter. <laughs> Nick, thanks for being here, man. I'm also a really bad golfer. You forgot that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, hey. a, a really bad golfer. Fantastic. <laughs> Nice to, nice to be with you, Michael. Okay, now, I got so much stuff, I, I don't even know where to ask, so we're going we're gonna to go with the, the big one here. Just uh, relax. Don't be nervous. I know how excited you must be to speak to me, but, you know, it's I, normal. I, <laughs> People feel like this all the time. Don't Just relax. I'm going to try. <laughs> I want to I talk about, you've directed two films. Uh, you, you directed uh, a, a piece in 95, which I'm guessing you did that on film, right? That was like uh, an old-school film camera, right? <laughs> yes, we shot that on 35-millimeter film back before the digital age. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's stress. That's a high-level stress. Now uh, you've got a new film coming out, Gosnell. You, and I guess you're, you're all finished up on that. You, you, you wrapped a couple of years ago, but now you've locked in a, a distribution deal. How, what was your experience like on that one? That's, that's, that's a bit bigger, yeah? Yeah, it was a little bigger budget for me. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great experience. Just I love directing. I love the, the thrill of trying to make a movie that way. It's, uh, it's kind of like being in a war. <laughs> you have yeah. to, you know, I mean, not to denigrate soldiers, but, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're, it's a battle every day to get the thing done. And... Uh, you know, I'm I'm very excited that it's finally coming out. There was a while there when I thought that it just might never surface because uh, it's a very controversial subject, and I think the producers had some difficulty getting a uh, company to release it. Well, it, in 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 case you don't know, uh, Gosnell, a big uh, abortion doctor, right in Philly. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, he was he was a murderer. He just yeah. You know, the fact that he happened to be an abortion doctor was was just the way he went about things. I mean, he, he was basically performing a lot of illegal abortions and he was he was he was killing babies after they'd already been born. So that's what he was convicted of. He was convicted of murder. Wow. And this is like one of the, the biggest, uh, like underreported uh, crime sprees. Because I I found out about this like maybe uh, maybe two three years ago I had never even heard of the guy so yeah yeah I, it, here's what I as as a filmmaker just uh, and I apologize like is it I don't know how 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 do you make this just like instead of just being like sad and maudlin is it is it a is it a thriller are we on the side of the cops and we're trying to track this guy down or is it like uh inside the mind of a how did how did you tackle no, no. It? How did it's, you go about it's it? a it's a thriller it's it's definitely a crime drama it's all about how they caught him and how they prosecuted him that's that's basically what it is because uh, i just thought that any other way of going about it would just be too maudlin and would make the movie unwatchable yeah but, you know i wanted the story to get out there but i did also want it to be something that people could could actually sit through without uh losing their lunch you know yeah, so, that's that's a tough one. I mean, just as a subject matter. Now, did the did the producers like reach out to you or like it's tough, man. I, I don't I don't know. Uh, granted, you've done a you've done a boatload of films. I, I just named a handful, and you've been acting f for a very long time. And 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 most talented people eventually want to direct. But like, what made you say yes to this project? Well, when they first contacted me, you know, I was a friend of theirs and they just said do you know anybody might be interested in directing this film and I gave them a couple of names and those names didn't pan out and they came back to me and I said well you know I did direct a film a few years ago I might do it depending on the script you know and I sent them a copy of the movie that I directed and they they asked me to uh, come on board and yeah That's I mean great. after after I read the script after I read this I was kind of tentative about it until I read the script. And when I read the script, I thought, okay, this is, this is a story that needs to be told. And it's, it's uh, one of those rare instances where you can kind of participate in something that 
you actually think might be important, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and how are I'm sure you have you have you screened this uh, for for critics for critics and uh, what's what's the feedback been? You know, uh, it's been screened for a lot of different groups. The feedback has been very positive. They haven't screened it for critics. I, I know what the critics are going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to pay any attention to that, but uh, it's been very well received by the audiences that have watched it. So. That's fantastic. Now, was there, was there like a breakout person for you? Now, I know you have to be somewhat political because you got, you got a big cast, you got to be nice to everybody, but it, is there a performance in the film that just stands out where you're like, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know this guy or this girl just had it, had it in them? I, I would say, well... I would say both in the case of Dean Kane, who delivers a, a really gritty, down-to-earth performance that I, I haven't seen him do anything like this before, and he's really terrific in it. And Sarah Jane Morris, who's basically the lead in the film, she's the lead prosecutor, she really, it's a, it's a brave, touching, wonderful performance from her. And... A lot of the, I mean, almost all the, I have like six notes from different actresses in the movie who basically wrote me saying, thank you for giving me my first role. <laughs> so oh, there's, wow. There's a lot of first time actresses in this movie and they all are pretty amazing. And a lot of that, of course, is due to me because I'm such a genius. But well, I tell you, know. you I, I, know you're, I know you're joking around, but like <laughs> that is a huge part of it. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want an adversarial role with your cast. They got to feel comfortable. They got to feel you kind of have to shepherd them on this journey. But you got to get what you want out of it. I don't. I'd love to direct as well someday, but it's like such a daunting uh, task. Like, what was what was the biggest challenge? Really, time, the budget, and the the amount of time that we had to spend that that was the biggest challenge because you know we we shot the movie in twenty one days. And really, it should have been thirty. Yeah, but, um, yeah so that's like a Clint Eastwood schedule right there. Yeah, it, it really is. It's like a TV movie schedule. But you know, back back in the eighties when they made TV movies, you know? they should um, bring those back. Yeah, yeah, they should. I guess they can't can't figure out how to make that profitable anymore. But um, yeah, I mean that that was really the biggest challenge. Is you know you got to get so much done in a day and. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, I had a great crew. I had a great DP, Mark Peterson, who did a fantastic job. And, you know, it, it really it came together beautifully. I mean, it's a, it's a, I'm very proud of it. It's a nice. I, I cannot wait to see it. I cannot yeah. wait to see it. Now, now, I want to get to you a little bit as, as an actor. Uh, some of the directors that you've worked with, insane, insane. Uh, Barbara Streisand, uh, Tony Scott, Robert Zemeckis. Uh, holy smoke, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, well, of those that you mentioned, only Barbara Streisand is actually insane. But <laughs> what was she to work like? You guys, uh, you were you were a Prince of Tides. You were on yeah. the, the yeah. Which, well, which it was a us? long. It was a no, no. She's perfectly nice. I was just kidding. It was a long time ago, and uh, I was only there for one day. But um, in the movie, I, I basically have one scene where. I'm at a party and I asked Nick Nolte to dance with me. Yeah. And um, Barbara Streisand, when I auditioned for the movie, I, I kind of came in like leather gear. Like a lot of the other people that were auditioning for it were kind of preppy and nicely dressed. And I had on a leather cap, yeah. a tank top and a chain and stuff. And she kind of didn't get it when I did my audition. She said, <laughs> she looked at me and she said, you know, I might want to use you for one of the rapists. And uh, I think the story goes that she showed the tapes of uh, the auditions to Nick Nolte. And Nick Nolte said, you should get the leather guy. <laughs> so. Nolte, now, now was, he, was he nuts uh, on that, that movie? I had a great time with him. You know, I, it was, the, the people that were in the scene with me were, were Nick Nolte and George Carlin. Oh, so, my Lord. Yeah, it was great. It was just. I did. Uh, I was, I was a. Uh, I was a, a what you call an extra. Uh, came very very close to a speaking part uh, in this movie called Teachers with Nick Nolte. Yeah, and he he must have been going through something uh, back then. <laughs> yeah, because wow, 
he he was uh, pajama pants and robe, and he he was out there. Old Nick was out there. You know who does a great <laughs> Nick? Kevin James does the best Nick Nolte impression ever oh, yeah. in the history of ever. Yeah. Okay. So so um, holy smoke! I just uh, I saw Castaway in the movie theater, and and I really didn't did not like it at all. Didn't like it at all. I just watched it again a couple weeks ago, and like had an epiphany. I'm, like wow, I totally missed this movie. Like I, I got it wrong, uh, and and I'm watching. It, and then y- you show up in right. it, and dude, I want to tell you what. And I I tweeted about it. Like that was a fantastic performance. Oh well, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, it's it's a very it's a very rare quality. I want to I want to keep blowing smoke here just for a little bit longer. <laughs> but it's like the the everyman to me is is the hardest thing for an actor to do. Like, uh, and Robert Duvall would back me up on this. It's, it's easy to play, oh, I'm paralyzed, I can only move my head. Oh, I'm blind, who's talking? You know, th- there's just like, like little tricks you can get away with. But dude, uh, that was a fantastic performance in Castaway. Well, you're very sweet. That's, that, uh, I appreciate that. It, 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 was, it was great fun and, of course, an honor to work with Zemeckis and Hanks. Um, and, you know, that came about, I think, partially. I had worked with Hanks a little bit on From the Earth to the Moon. He produced that, and I met yeah. him when I, was, when I was working on that show. Oh, uh, I had it flipped. I had it flipped. I thought you met Hanks on, on Castaway, and then you did, uh, you, were, you were Deke Slayton, yeah? Yeah. No, that came first. That, that, uh, and From the Earth to the Moon was really, I, I was on that show for like 12 episodes, and I met I met everybody in Hollywood. I think <laughs> it was, it, was uh, it, it, it. I met Hanks, and then I met Graham Yost, and then wow. after for fifteen years after I did did that, I was writing Graham Yost, going, "I thought you liked me. I thought we were friends. <laughs> what you're doing all this stuff, and you never cast me." And then finally, he he told me he just did, he gave me justified just to shut me up. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I see. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Justified. I gotta, I gotta get into that. I'm a huge uh, Timothy uh, Oliphant uh, fan. He was uh, uh, amazing. What was the series he did on HBO? Deadwood. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> he doesn't suck. He's got that. He's got that. He's got that. I, I can barely con- contain my rage thing down. I've never seen anybody do that. Just like he's just so angry, and it's just simmering. It's fantastic. Yeah, we had a we had a great time on that show. He uh, most of my stuff oh, on yeah. the show, you'll see when you watch it. I mean, ninety percent of what I do on that show is talk to him. So, okay. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. Now, I, I just want to get this out there. You you were also uh, on. You were a series regular on Rodney with uh, my old friend uh, Rodney Carrington. I, I yeah. had I had I had. No idea. Oh my God! I've I've been in Hollywood for a while. I've been uh, fortunate enough. I've written on a few shows. Blah 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 blah. But like before any of that happened, <laughs> I I had met Rodney and I'd never seen anything like it. I had never seen anything like it. I was we were working at a comedy club in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and and he just there was like twenty five people on the first night. He, he was so funny. I like my women like I like my chicken, just a little bit of fat on the end. He's doing right. his little songs. He's just a goofball. Right. Yeah. He's just this oaky, goofball, lovable idiot. And just to watch the audience just grow and grow and grow until by Friday night it was just standing room only. It was hilarious. So oh, I moved out to great. LA. Oh, it's completely amazing. I go so I moved out to Hollywood and then I'm I'm doing uh, stand up at like the uh, the the improv in like uh, in Phoenix or something. And Rodney's doing like a theater. He comes out to see. He ends his show, comes over to see my show, and he's like, "Do you ever move out to L.A.? They keep trying to convince me to go." Now, if you don't know Rodney, that's spot on. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, they keep they keep trying to get me to come out there, and I'm like, I went to the head of ABC, and I'm like, "What do you pay John Ritter?" I, when you want to pay me what you pay John Ritter, then I'll do the dang show. And he was completely <laughs> for real, and it yeah. worked. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, we did two seasons, and uh, you know when I, I met Rodney, I just I just auditioned for it and met him, and we did the pilot, and we just hit it off. We were really good friends right from the beginning, and I had never really heard of Rodney before. You know, I'd been in L.A. all this time, and yeah. I, I didn't know. 
that he was such a big comedian out in the middle of the country. And, and after we got done, I was flying back to North Carolina, and he said, why don't you just come with me and you stop and uh, stop. I think we went to, I can't remember exactly, St. Louis. We went to St. Louis on his private jet to see his show. Yeah. And like we go in and there's 5,000 people there, and they know every word to every song. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this man? <laughs> exactly. See, here's the deal, Nick. You were living in a bubble, yeah. and Rodney was out there in the middle of America. He's the Donald Trump of stand-ups. I know, he, and he's still killing it. I mean, I, talked to, him, I just talked to him last week. He's, he works every weekend and goes back home, and he says, man, I'm done with that L.A. stuff. I don't, I'm not ever coming out there ever again. <laughs> he, is, he is a genius. He, yeah. he, and oddly enough, you were... You're a fantastic golfer. Rodney uh, taught me to golf. Yeah. Oh, I, I never golfed. And he's always complaining about his wife. I, 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 the first day I met him, I tell you what, man, uh, my wife just spends all my money. She just spends all my money. He didn't have a car. This is before he, had, he was huge. He didn't have a car. He's like, can you take me to the mall? Can you take me to the mall? It's white hat season. It's white hat. <laughs> and I'm like, I take him to the mall, and the guy blows 300 bucks on a white cowboy hat. I'm like, yeah, your wife's the problem. Your wife yeah. is the problem. Yeah, yeah. No, Rodney's a character for sure. Hilarious. And uh, the other thing I directed was a music video for Rodney. So, <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I did a music video for his song, uh, If I'm the Only One. And he plays it now at all his concerts. He plays it in the pre-show. That's fantastic, man. Now, b before I let you go, like... And this is fantastic because, and, and it gives me hope. As a, like I'm on Twitter, I'm doing this Loftus party thing and trying to maintain a career in Hollywood, and and I see your tweets, and I'm like, okay, here's 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 because, dude, I always hold back. I right. always hold back. I'm pumping the brakes nine times out of ten because I'm like, eh, I don't. But like, you let it rip, dude. Yeah, you're probably smart. You probably should. Keep <laughs> No, I, I just, I, you know, at a, at a certain point, I, I think I just got to the point where it's like, okay, I, I'm i not going to put up with this. I don't care. I'm going to be myself and let the chips fall where they may. And if somebody doesn't want to work with me because of my politics, then I probably wouldn't enjoy the experience anyway. So the hell with it. You know. But has it, has it gotten in the way ever? Have you, like, been on the set and someone says something and you bite your tongue? Has it ever been? Because, like, with me... Like, I was writing on uh, the old George Lopez show, the sitcom, and I had a producer. A buddy of mine said something about Bush, like in support of Bush, and, and this woman was like, uh, I can't believe we've got Republicans on the staff. And me and yeah. got yeah. really quiet really quick, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? I don't – everybody knows what my politics are, and I don't, I don't talk politics on the set. I mean, if somebody brings it up, I just go – you know, it's not something I'm willing to discuss here. I don't think it's the proper forum, unless you'd like to talk about Jesus, too. <laughs> and, you know, they sort of leave me alone after that. But, yeah, I, I just, it's just a policy. You know, what I do on Twitter and, you know, when I speak on the radio or whatever I do, that's that's one thing. But I'm, I don't like the people that, that talk politics at work. I think it's yeah. rude. I, I think it's rude because... There's a power imbalance there, and there's definitely people on the crew that are not going to speak up if a, if one of the stars starts going on and on about how what a racist Trump is or how awful Republicans are, yeah. you know, because a lot of the, the crew's mixed. The crew isn't 100% Democrat, but they can't, you know, that it's not fair. If they open their mouths, they'll get fired. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So I, just, I just don't do that. Okay, well, um, before I let you go, one more question. was: uh, Did you ever turn down a part or lose out a part and just look back and go, man, I messed up. I wish I could have a do-over on that. Like famously, like Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones. Uh, James Caan turned down the lead in Kramer versus Kramer. Ha, ha, do, you have a, do you have one of those famous, like, the, the part that got away stories? <laughs> and no, I, I don't really. I... I think I must have accepted every part that somebody offered me. <laughs> you know? That's fantastic. I, <laughs> I just went, okay, how much? 
you know, I, I might have I might have turned a few things down because I didn't think there was enough money or it was too far to travel or it conflicted with something. But I never did turn down a role just because I didn't like it. You know. Well, hey, that's cool. Uh, I am digging it. So, so what's next? Are you gonna Are you gonna go back to directing? You, you are you acting? What's What's next? Well, I'm I'm still acting uh, once in a while, and I, I have a couple of projects that I'm developing. Um, one about one's a wrestling script, and one is a script about gospel quartet music in the '60s, which, as you might imagine, is a really hot topic right now. That's um, the one that's going to sell. <laughs> that's the one that's going to sell. I'll tell you right now. Right, but I, no, I'm, I, I do hope to direct some more. I've kind of, I've gotten to that age where most of the parts people offer me are kind of boring. They're the same things that I've already done, and it's like you know the old guys don't to get, the old guys don't get to do that much unless you're Robert Duvall. Well, so. dude, uh, you you are you are killing it. You're crushing it. Don't change anything. Of uh, a, a fine fine actor, a great director. Everybody, you need to go out and and see Gosnell. Uh, on October 12th. Absolutely. So, that that first weekend is key. Everybody go on opening day. Yeah, you got to you got to make that algorithm happen. Let's right. make that let's beat the machine. Right. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Uh have a good one. I'll let you get back to golf. I and I'd, I'd love to talk to you in the future, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, as sad as I am to say, that is going to conclude this particular very special episode of Off This Party. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episodes we've put together for you. Hope you guys have all had a great Monday, since this is typically when you listen to this particular bit of awesomeness. So, Michael and the Gypsy will be back next week. Look, if you like what they're doing, make sure you follow along. You can find The Loftus Party on Facebook. You can find them at theloftusparty.com. You can follow along with Michael on Twitter, at The Loftus Party, and the Gypsy on Twitter, at Scottsfire. And if you want, you can even follow along with yours truly. You can find me on pretty much every social media platform as either Rick Robinson or as RowdyRick73, or as Michael likes to call me, Kung Fu Rick. I'm going to get out of here. You guys enjoy the rest of your Monday, and like I said... The regular crew will be back next week, never fear.